Well, good evening, everyone. So glad that you guys are with us today. We are super excited about the message. As you all know, the current series is called It's About Time. But what I want you to know is that for me, that's way more than just a series title. I want you to know today that for me, that's more than a series title. It's more than a statement. I would say that it's a truth. It's a truth that we all need to hear. So much of our lives, it really is about time and how we're spending our time while we're on the earth. Now, if you're anything like me, then I suspect that you have a lot of people who are in your ear, who are always telling you what you should be doing with your time. If you're a student, then you have friends who are in your ear telling you what you should do with your time. You've got some parents who are no doubt in your ear talking to you about what you should do with your time. You've got coaches who are telling you what you should be doing with your time, right? If you're an adult, then you probably have a boss. You probably have a spouse. You probably have marketing executives. And for all of us, we also have a God who has a lot to say in the scriptures about what we should be doing with our time. And what happens to so many of us is we get so many people in our ears who are telling us what we should do with our time that it becomes tough for us to manage our time. In fact, there are a whole lot of people in the world who will tell you that time management is probably one of the greatest challenges that you will deal with over the course of your life. There are other people, people like a guy named Rory Vane who's written books on the subject. He will go as far as to tell you that time management is a myth. You cannot manage your time. The only thing that you can do is you can manage yourself. There are a lot of us who have fallen in love with this matrix. It's a matrix we're going to throw on the side screens. It, it contrasts the difference between that which is urgent in our lives against that which is important in our lives. Right? You and I, we are always feeling the tension between these issues. Right? There are some things in our lives that just feel urgent. It feels like it's got to be done, and it's got to be done right now. Right? But, but there are other things that, that may not feel urgent, but we absolutely know that they are important. And the reason that that graphic makes so much sense to so many people is because a lot of us are living our lives just feeling like there's not enough time in the day. There are too many things to get done and there's not enough hours to get it all done. And what ends up happening is we make choices. And unfortunately for a lot of us, we end up choosing to do that which feels urgent rather than doing the things that we know are truly important. And that's what makes this section in the book of Ecclesiastes so invaluable. In chapters 3 and 4, the author of Ecclesiastes is a guy named Solomon, and he is sharing some incredible wisdom with us about how we should be spending our time. One of the things that I want you to learn tonight is this. The key to life is not about doing more, but it is about prioritizing correctly. See, what Solomon's shown us so far in the book, in the first couple of chapters, is that there are some things in our lives that we have no business chasing after. There's a lot of things that you could do, but there are some things that cannot be a priority in your life. So don't spend your time, do you remember the series? 
Chasing the rabbit, right? Remember that? And so there's some things in your life that just cannot be a priority. There are other things in your life that are important, but as we look at chapter three, it's not important right now. And so we have to understand the difference. This is why I keep saying to you tonight over and over again that the key to life is not about doing more, but it is about prioritizing correctly. Now, some of you have probably seen this illustration at some point in your life. You see it a lot in like self-help seminars. You, you see this in business books and in, in leadership circles. And what this illustration is, is it's about the time of our life. Okay. And so if we look at this jar, this jar represents a certain amount of time. It could represent the time that you have in a day. It could represent the time that you have in a week or the time that you have over the course of your life. Now, all of these little pebbles that are in the jar, they represent all of the little things that we feel like we have to do in our lives. They're not necessarily the important things, but they're the things that sometimes feel urgent, right? Like, like I've got to cook dinner, I got to wash the car. I got to clean the house. I got to prep for the hurricane. I've got to go pick up the kids from practice. I got to take the kids to school. I got to do the laundry. I've got to go shopping. I've got to pay some bills. I got to surf a little bit on Facebook and spend some time online. It's all of the little things that sometimes they feel urgent in our lives. Now, we don't just have a lot of little things in our lives. We also have some really big things in our lives. And what happens is we try to figure out, man, how am I going to squeeze all of these things in? And so we start putting God down there in our lives. And then if you're married, then you're putting your spouse in here in your life. And if you've got a kid or two, then you're trying to squeeze them into your life to make sure that you have time for them. And then you've got work in your life. And then you've got to get to church on the weekend. And you're trying to figure out how to get some small group time in. And what ends up happening is you try to squeeze it all in and you look at it and you go, there's just no way. And there's that feeling again, that feeling that there's never enough time in the day. And it's because the key to life is not about doing more. The key to life is about prioritizing correctly. At some point in your life, you are going to have to sit down and you are going to have to think about what really is the priority in my life? What are the, 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 the most important things that I care about? And, and if it really is your relationship with God, then you got to put that in there first. And if your relationship with your spouse is the second greatest priority in your life, you got to squeeze that in there first. If then it's about the kids, then you've got to put the kids in there before you get to all of these other little things, right? If you're saying work is one of the most important things in my life, and you know what, I've got church in there, and you know what, I've even got some time for my small group in there. I put all of these things, exercise in there. These are the most important things in my life than what you will read realize is that when you prioritize correctly, then you can start to find a way to squeeze all of these other little things into your life. And what do you know? It won't fall out of the jar. Close enough. You, you realize, wow, it actually all fits. 
And so my question for you tonight is this. What really is the priority in your life? What are your non-negotiables that you absolutely have to commit to first before you commit to anything else? Because the key to life is not about doing more, but it really is about prioritizing correctly. This right here is the key between people who feel like, you know what, I just feel like I'm wasting my time. To people who can say, you know what, I know that I really am making the most of my time. Now, usually the illustration, it stops right there. Because when you get to this place right here, what happens is you feel like you have made so much progress from here to here that you're like, man, this is absolutely incredible. Like, like I feel like my life is ordered. I feel like I can get all the big things in. And I also feel like I can get all of the little things in as well. But let me tell you something. That right there, it will create all kinds of challenges and it will produce all kinds of stress in your life eventually because all you've done from here to here is you have moved from I can't squeeze it all in to I don't have time for even one more important thing and this right here is no way for you to be living your life. It will create stress. It will create tension. It will create problems. The truth is, just because it all fits doesn't mean that it all needs to be in there. All of us know that there are a lot of little things in our lives that are eating up our time And there's really no room for it whatsoever. Think about it like this. Wouldn't you like to have a little bit of breathing room in your life? Wouldn't you like to have a little bit of margin? Maybe a little margin in your finances. Maybe even a little margin in your schedule. Most people hear me say that and they think to themselves, man, a little bit of margin, it sounds absolutely incredible, right? But for some reason, they still haven't made the shift from, you know what, I can't squeeze anything else in to I've actually got real margin in my life. And so I want to ask you a question tonight. And let me tell you, it is a very important question for the quality of your life and for your whole family. Here it is. What's driving us to either live at capacity or beyond capacity? I want you to really think about it. What is driving you? To live your life either at capacity or beyond capacity. Because I think all of us probably like the idea of having a little bit of margin in our lives. It sounds incredible. And yet for some reason, we're just constantly pushing the envelope, living at capacity or even beyond it. And I think that the reason we do it is because we live 
in a very materialistic culture. What's the old saying? We're trying to keep up with the Joneses, whoever the Joneses are, right? The the Joneses go get something new. So we need to go get something new. The, The Joneses remodeled their house. So we need to go out and remodel our house. The Joneses went on another vacation. I think that we all need to go on another vacation. And let me tell you something. This right here has been a struggle for human beings as long as we've been on the earth. And the problem has gotten exponentially more difficult for us since the invention of social media. With social media, we get to see the highlight reels of everyone's life. And it's causing us to push for more and more and more rather than saying, I need a little bit of margin in my life. And so today I need to talk to us about how to spend our time given that we live in a very materialistic culture. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses four through eight. This is what Solomon says. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Now, Solomon starts out and he recognizes as he observes people in the world that there are a lot of people who spend their time working a lot of hours. He sees a lot of people who are achieving a lot of things. The question is, why are people working so much? Why are people working so many hours? Why are they always working to accomplish more and more and more and more? And Solomon says that all of that work and all of that achievement, it springs from one man's envy of another. In essence, what he's saying is that we work more because we want more. We work because we want what other people have. And and we all just need to think about what that communicates to God. Because what it communicates to God is that every time I spend a minute of my life comparing myself to other people, that is one minute of my life where I am subtly accusing God of shortchanging me of what I really deserve in my life. And so if God won't give it to me, then don't worry about it, God. I'll go get it myself. And we work more because we want more. I'm going to tell you, I don't think it starts out that way. And so if you're a young man or if you're a young woman, you need to be very, very, very careful about how you manage your life and how you operate in terms of your appetite for more. I think that when most people are young, they start out and they go into their career because they want to do good for other people. They realize that they've got some talents and gifts and they want to go out and use those gifts and those talents to make the world a better place. But for so many of us, 
the longer that we live in our lives, the further we drift away from those good intentions. In fact, if you were here last week, we showed a video of a lady in our church named Clarissa. In that video, Clarissa said this. She said, when I was young, I wanted to change the world. But somewhere along the way, I traded making a difference for making a living. And I think that that happens to so many people. We start out just wanting to make a living or making a difference with our living. And then we drift into just making a living and we want that living to get better and we want it to get better and we want it to get better because we see the way everyone else is living. So we see other people and we see what everyone else is wearing. We see what everyone else is driving. We see where other people are living and where they're vacationing and the toys that they're buying and we want it. And the truth is, you can have it. You can always have a little more as long as you're willing to work a little more. All you've got to do is just give away a little bit more of your time. Put in a few more hours. Pick up that extra shift so you can get that time and a half. Work that overtime. It's going to be worth it. Go start a second job or start a side hustle. Put in a little extra time at work so that when that opportunity comes from a prom- for a promotion, you will be the one who gets it. Just put in a little more time and you can get a little more. The only problem with it, and Solomon knows it, is that a little more is never enough. That's why he says in verse 4 that chasing after what everyone else has, he says it's meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. I want you to know something about your time. Your time is too valuable and your life is too short for you to waste it chasing after the wind or chasing after what other people have in their lives. When you spend your time chasing after what everyone else has, let me tell you what happens. Jackwell Crow, she says that we get caught up in the comparison trap. Listen to what she said. She said, we compare our bodies, we compare our jobs, we compare our families, our skills, our stuff, our intellects in an ever-increasing desire for complete satisfaction. We want to be attractive, successful, and happy. So we measure ourselves against the people around us. But instead of it resulting in contentment, our comparison delivers us into compulsive jealousy, pride, and shame. We envy those who appear better than us, and we look down on those who appear worse than us. And once we've started comparing ourselves, we slide into a bitterly insatiable cycle. The more we compare ourselves, the more we need to compare ourselves. It's an addiction. We're on a quest for acceptance and joy, but are paralyzed by the pressure, the pressure to look, do, and be better than the people around us. Because of this, we are distracted from our purpose, mission, and need to pursue Holiness. And this right here is why envy 
and always wanting a little bit more because of what everyone else has. This is why it's so destructive. And so let me just ask you, do you really believe that a little more is never enough? The reason I ask is because I don't think most people believe that's true. I think most people believe that a little bit more is all it would take. I think the people who are here tonight and they're making $35,000 a year, they believe that if they could just get to 40 or 45, it would solve all their problems and they would be happy and they would never need any more than that. And then they get to 40 or 45, Uncle Sam gets his cut, God gets his cut, they get a new car, and they are maxed out immediately. And because there's this need that you feel in your life for just a little bit of margin, you're already telling yourself, you know what, I think I need just a little bit more. And so you start making a little bit more. You, you keep working. You, you're digging deep. You're putting in the hours and you climb your way to $60,000 a year. And then you pop out that first kid and you cannot believe how much diapers cost. And you are maxed out because of that hospital bill and because of those diapers and because of those peas. Have you ever tasted those peas? They are disgusting, right? But you pay a lot of money for them. And with one kid, you are maxed out all over again. And you're telling yourself very quickly, you know what? I I need a little bit more. And so you start making $75,000 a year. You start seeing that family grow bigger and bigger. And you start thinking to yourself, you know what? I I think we need a bigger house. And so we move to a brand new neighborhood and we buy that bigger house and all of a sudden our income has already doubled from where we started and we find ourselves in that same spot saying, you know what I need? I need just a little bit more. And so you start making 100K, but then the kids start driving and you start worrying about where you're going to send them to college and how you're going to pay for it. And all of a sudden you are maxed out all over again. You start making one hundred fifty dollars or $200,000 a year and you're looking at Bob across the street and you're going, man, why is it that Bob's so happy? Why isn't Bob stressed out like I am? And you realize it's because Bob has a condo over in Orange Beach. And so you want what Bob has because if you could get a place where you could just get away from it all for a little while, then your life would be better. And in one purchase, you get maxed out all over again and you find yourself saying, I need a little bit more. And it goes on and on and on. Your income is five times what it used to be and it's still not enough until eventually you grow old like Solomon and you realize a little bit more is never enough. It's like chasing after the wind. And this is the problem with living in a materialistic society like America. Solomon is warning us, it will rob you of your time. And what you and I need to remember is that for the vast majority of us, I promise you, you will run out of time before you run out of money. And if that's true, you need to be really careful about trading the minutes of your day for just a few more dollars. 
This right here is why you have to know that the secret to a life well lived is not more cash, it's more contentment. Scriptures have a lot to say about the value of a person who practices this thing called contentment. Now, Solomon warns us in verse 5 not to be lazy. Look at what he said there. He said, fools will hear what I'm saying and they'll just fold their hands and they'll ruin themselves. He's saying, don't be foolish. Don't hear what I'm about to say and then just go sit on your hands and refuse to work and then get yourself into all kinds of trouble. What we need to do is we need to figure out what's it look like to strike that balance between not working at all and working way too much. And he tells us what that looks like. Verse 6, he says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And so I want you to think with me, what really makes for a better life? Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he says that it's better for you to just have one handful with some tranquility in your life than to have two handfuls with lots of toil and working too many hours. So my question is, okay, two always sounds better than one. But you're saying it's one with some tranquility. So what is tranquility? So I want you to think with me about a tranquilizer gun. Now, I personally wanted to bring a tranquilizer gun out on the stage tonight, but I think the team was afraid of a misfire and they didn't trust me with a gun, so I didn't get to bring it out, okay? And so we don't have a tranquilizer gun. But if you had one and you saw an animal out there, right, you see it used on animals quite a bit. Typically speaking, what you see is you see animals who are scared. You see animals who are out there who are stressed out. You see animals who are anxious. And when someone fires a tranquilizer dart into that animal, something gets inside of that animal that causes it to experience peace. It becomes calm. And it's capable of finding rest. And I would just say that we could all use a little tranquility in our lives. But in order to get there, we've got to practice some contentment in our lives. Solomon says that it's better for you to just have one handful with that tranquility that I was talking about than for you to have two handfuls Because what comes with two handfuls, he says, is a whole lot of toil and chasing after the wind. And so here's the picture of that. The person who has two handfuls with lots of toil and lots of work, they come home every day and they're dog tired. And honestly, they're a little bit grouchy. All that work, it it produces a lot of stress. It creates a lot of pressure that is constantly just bubbling underneath the surface. It eventually creates a lot of arguments in the family and it makes life miserable. Not just for you, but for everyone around you. Solomon actually wrote in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, and he said, A heart at peace 
gives life to the body. That, that peace, that, that tranquility that we're talking about. It makes a person feel alive. It, it gives life to the body. But envy, the, the thing that makes you work more because you want more, you want what everyone else has. Envy, he says, rots the bones. Envy, he says, will destroy you. You may have more. The question is, do you really think you'll be able to enjoy it? And the answer is no. And this is why I'm saying tonight that you don't need more cash in your life. What you need in your life is more contentment. And I believe that if you get this right, I absolutely believe it'll change your life. But let me tell you something. If you don't get this right, then... This is what will end up happening. You will become financially rich. I'll give you that. But in the process, Solomon says, you will become relationally poor. Next two verses, verses 7 and 8. It says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth for for whom am I toiling he asked and, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment Solomon sees a man and that man is all alone he probably had relationships at some point in his life but at this point in his life he was what's the saying he was married to his work And because of that, he lost the relationships that mattered most to him. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have a son. He didn't have a brother. The text says he was all alone. He didn't have anyone. All he had was his work because all he did was work. It's where he invested all of his time. In fact, the text says about his work... There was no end to his toil. There was no end to the work that he was doing. Why? Because his eyes were not content with his wealth. Money was not the problem. His eyes were the problem. When you're so busy looking at what everyone else has in their life, it makes it hard for you to enjoy what you already have in your life. This is why some of us need blinders, right? You know the blinders that they put on horses, right? So that they can't see anything around them. Like it would serve us well. We would look really stupid, but I tell you this, it would serve you really, really well to get a pair of those blinders and just say, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend my life anymore looking around at what everyone else has. I read an article this week about horses and it said that horses are very visual creatures And so their behavior is always affected by what they see around them. That's why they wear blinders. And I believe the same is true of us. We are very visual creatures and our behavior, it is affected by what we see. You can't be looking around at what everybody else has or you'll never be content You'll always be working more with the hopes that you could just maybe have a little bit more. And in the process, yes, you may become financially rich, but you may also become relationally 
poor. And the truth is, you'll never be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor because there's really no enjoyment when you're trying to enjoy it alone. You and I both know that if you want to make a lot of money and you want to be successful at work, it takes a lot of your time. But you and I also both know that if you want an incredible marriage, if you want an incredible relationship with your kids, if you want a great relationship with your God, it takes a lot of time. And when there's not enough time in the day, you're going to make a choice about what you give your time to. And so what do you do with a message like this? Do we all just walk out of here and quit our jobs tomorrow and our cars get repoed and we eventually get kicked out of our homes and we kind of start a mosaic homeless camp out in the front parking lot together? Is that what it looks like? No, 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 no. Verse five, what did Solomon say? Don't you be foolish. About a month ago, I had a friend of mine who came in and he sat in my office and he is working through these very challenges and he is walking this very road. And I believe that he has walked that road with an incredible amount of wisdom. And I want you to hear his story. Check it out. So my name is Mark Haver. Yeah, I've lived on the coast. I moved down here in probably uh, 99. Moved to Biloxi, met my wife. I was a banker in Van Cleef. She was a banker in Biloxi. And um, one day we decided to that we wanted to grow our family. And so I come to the realization that financially we couldn't make it off of what I was making at the bank. Made a career move, went to one of the bigger industries on the coast. Then I got a phone call from someone that I didn't know, and they convinced me to come talk to them about a position. It was about a uh, $40 million organization. I sat with the owner's mother. She taught me accounting. Uh, one day it clicked, and I said, I get this. I got it. About six or seven years into my career, the owner decided that he wanted to start expanding. So it seemed like overnight, we went from one location to four locations. So I went from a controller up into a chief financial officer. Money grew, our household grew, our spending grew, but my hours started to increase. But after about year six, we started expanding some more. In those windows of my life, I was spending 14 to 15 hours a day at work, leaving at 6.30, getting home at 10 some nights, and getting up and doing it all over again. Because I thought my goal personally was, I want to go to the top of the ladder. I want to see how much money I was capable of making. I want to see just how far I could go in the corporate world. But after that, you know, after about year eight into it, I started thinking, I'm like, you know, I'm spending way too much time away from home. My brain is turned to mush when I get home. I'm mentally exhausted. My physical ability has gone downhill drastically. It was just all the stress, wearing the stress every day. I didn't realize I was wearing that much stress, but my family did. And it was time for me to take a step. My priority has always been my boys and my wife, trying to nurture that relationship. Nurturing a marriage is very difficult, as we all know. Uh, growing children up to be give them a good foundation is extremely difficult. I wanted to give my boys time. And I guess about year 10 into my corporate role, you know, I was late one fall, I'll never forget it. And I was talking to my dad 
He told me, he said, son, you know the one thing I want? The one thing I want, I can't buy. I'm like, what is that? He said, time. He said, I want all those hours back where I was working two or three jobs and I, could, I want to throw the football with you. I want to throw the baseball with you. I want to spend time with your sister because I spent time working because I thought that that's what I had to do and nothing ever satisfied me. Nothing ever. Time is where it's at. And I said, you know, I'm gonna put myself on a five-year plan. And I wanna say, I wanna be completely out of the corporate world in five years. And I'm like, well, first thing, how are you gonna do that? That's crazy, you can't do that. You, you've yearned for this position or at the top of the ladder for so many years. Eventually, I guess my wife ran into somebody and they said, you know, hey, he can come help us. And then a week later, he called me and he's like, hey, I really do want you to come talk to me about helping me in the back of the house. And I said, you know, I, I really appreciate it, but I only want to work a couple days a week. And he offered me a job three days a week. I'm like, okay, there's part of my step. So about two years ago, we started an oyster company. We started growing oysters. And the reason I started is because it was something my boys and I could do together. So I ended up taking that job. And a friend of mine's got all the consulting that I want one day a week. And I'm going to grow oysters the other day. It's exactly what I wanted. And it wasn't by accident. I'm a firm believer that it was not by accident. When you get to the top, you're going to find out that there's nothing there but more stress. What was important in my life? I left them at home way too much. Because at that point, you sold your hours. You're selling your hours. And we're only, we're not promised any, but we're selling hours. The best part of our life, we're selling. But it's all about being together because at the end of the day, we're nothing but a memory. And what kind of memory do you want to be? Wow. I want you to know something. When you establish priorities that honor God, God will honor you. Everything that he wanted as he thought about his career, it happened. And he said it didn't happen by accident. He knew that God was working to create the right opportunity for a man who had established the right priorities. Mark made a choice. Mark chose contentment over cash. Mark made a choice. He chose more time with his family over more time at work. He wanted to be a man who had peace in his life rather than being a man who had all kinds of stress in his life. And so he made up his mind. And then he made a five-year plan to get out of the rat race called corporate America. He discussed it with people who were wise, people like his own father, other godly friends in his life. And then when the right opportunity came along, he made the move. Now, you didn't hear it in the video, 
But about two weeks after Mark left corporate America, he sat in my office and he said this to me. He said, Brandon, in the last two weeks, I started smiling again. And that right there is why Solomon said, it's better to have one handful with tranquility than to have two handfuls with toil chasing after the wind. Some of you have some tough decisions to make about what you're going to do with your work and your time. Some of you are hearing the wisdom of God that is pouring out of this book. And you need to know that God spoke to us through the scriptures, but God also sent his son Jesus into the world to speak to us through his son. Jesus came into the world so that he could speak to us, so that he could lead our lives, and so that he could forgive our sins. Sins like envy that turn us into people that we don't want to be and ruin the families that we love the most. And if you've never recognized your need for Jesus, then today needs to be your day. Right now, you you need to say, I need Jesus to lead my life and I need Jesus to forgive my sins. And not only will he forgive forgive your sins, but he will step into your life and he'll help you as he leads your life, just like he did Mark. He'll help you think through what's it look like for me to create a five-year plan or a three-year plan so that I can get out of this rat race and get back to being the man that God created me to be and enjoy the family that he's given me in my life. And so however God is leading you, I hope and I'm gonna pray that God will give you the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. Because I know that what we're talking about today will require a tremendous amount of courage if you need to make a change. Let me pray for us. God, for those who are realizing their need for Jesus and the incredible wisdom and the leadership that he came to give, the forgiveness and the grace that he came to give, I pray that right here, right now, they would just put their faith in Christ. They would acknowledge their need for Jesus. And that they would let us know about it so that we can help them in this new relationship that they're starting today. God, for everyone else who's listening to this message and they're really feeling you speak to them in a specific and clear way. God, I do beg that you would give them wisdom to know what to do and the courage to follow through when you create those opportunities. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.